Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. Anybody know who Ryan Kaji is? He has a little show on YouTube called Ryan's World. Come on, grandmas and grandpas, moms and dads. I knew some of you would. You know who Ryan's world is. Ryan is now 10 years old. And I'll give you an idea about how Ryan makes it through life. Two years ago, 2020 Forbes magazine listed him as the single highest earner on the YouTube platform. Little Ryan makes $30 million a year with Ryan's World. He has, his clips have been viewed 12 billion with a B. His videos have been viewed 12 billion times. He has over 40 million subscribers to his YouTube channel. And it all started when he was three years old He was at a Target with his mom, and he had picked up, and by the way, if you don't know what Ryan does, he reviews toys. He plays with toys and reviews them. Now, I'm serious, and makes $30 million a year doing that. So they were in Target when he was three years old, and he picked up a a Lego choo-choo train and was telling his mom about it, what was cool about it, and she just happened to pull her phone out and got video of him talking about this train. And she thought, you know, and and some of the friends said, you know, that's really pretty cool. Um, Let's put it on YouTube. And they did, 100,000 views. Just like that. Well, mom and dad went, hmm, maybe onto something here. And so all these years, seven years later, they have made millions of dollars with their son playing with toys. Shrewd. Okay. How about Dude Perfect? Anybody know what Dude Perfect is? Know who that is? Yeah, yeah, of course you do. Dude, if you don't, let me elaborate. Dude Perfect, they're five guys. They went to school together at Texas A&M University. And in 2009, they were doing what guys do. They were just goofing around, shooting some baskets in somebody's backyard. And they started trying trick shots just having fun, trying trick shots, and apparently it was pretty funny. And so one of them grabbed a phone and somebody videoed some of these trick shots. A few of them were pretty cool. Same thing, they thought, well, that's, that's cool. Let's, let's, let's upload it to YouTube, see what happens. So they uploaded it to YouTube, 100,000 views, just like that. That was in 2009. Today, Dude Perfect is an enterprise. They make... Roughly, and this is estimated, $25 million a year just off of the YouTube channel. They have over 57 million subscribers 
to their channel. Now they go out and do arena shows. They were at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville back in the summer and they pack out arenas and what do these five guys do? They, they do frisbee tricks. They, they fly remote controlled airplanes. They, one of the things, they, I remember one of them, they had a, pe- a pedestal about that big or, or on top of a stick and they were trying to throw you know, bottles and get it to land standing up. This is what they do. And they've worked with everybody from Aaron Rodgers to Tim McGraw. And they have, a de- they have partnership deals with Bass Pro Shops, for one, and lots of other sporting goods companies. Incred- these five overgrown kids just, t- you know, trash-talking each other, very competitive, playing all these cool games, making, you know, upwards of $40 million a year when you put it all together on the bottom line. Shrewd. Then you got Dr. Squish. Anybody besides me know who Dr. Squish is? Dr. Squish is not, she's small potatoes compared to all these others. Dr. Squish is a a woman, she lives in Japan now. Uh, My my oldest granddaughter, uh, Annalyn, loved Dr. Squish. She turned me on to Dr. Squish. Dr. Squish has a YouTube channel. She makes, she's made about $3 million so far, which is small potatoes compared to the others. You know what she does? She takes squishy toys, anything could be a, a squishy cupcake, it could be a, some kind of an animal. It could be anything, just a squishy toy, and she cuts them open to see what's inside. I'm serious as I can be. That's what she does, and her descriptions are so funny. And kids, you can't believe how many, how many toys Anne Lynn has carved up, you know, trying to be like Dr. Squish. She also will do cameos. Dr. Squish will do a personal video for your child for their birthday party for a hefty price. I happen to know how much that price is. <laughs> An old softy. Actually, I didn't pay it. The, her mom paid for it, but uh, you know, I mean, that's shrewd, incredibly shrewd. And they did all this for one purpose. The purpose for, for, for Ryan's World and for Dude Perfect and Dr. Squish and all these others They're making a connection. Their whole purpose is to do something that will engage someone so that they can make a connection and build on that connection. And what they want to do is relieve you of some of your money, ultimately. You know, that's, but I mean, that's, that's okay. It sounds awful, but it's not. I mean, there's, they've got, they've got, they're selling you entertainment. They're selling you other things and, and you pay for it. It's amazing. It's amazing what people have learned to do. So here's the lesson for all you parents and grandparents. If your kid constantly playing with fidgets or trying to stand up a water bottle on its end or out in the backyard trying to, you know, to shoot hoops while standing in the, a, 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 a kiddie pool or whatever, don't, don't yell at them. Get some video <laughs> and put it on YouTube and, you know, maybe you can help me with my retirement. You never know. So uh, I'll get back to you on that. But, but it really is incredible. Now, what does that have to do with anything? I'm going to submit to you that it has everything to do with the passage of Scripture we're going to read and this last installment of crazy stuff Jesus said. We've heard him talk about, you know, 
love your enemies and hate your parents. And, and by the way, spoiler alert, if you, if you weren't here for that one, he doesn't really want you to hate your parents. He was making a point. He was a kidder. He was provocative to make a point. You know, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Rich people can enter the kingdom of God. Again, he's trying to be, uh, trying to be provocative on purpose, uh, because he wants to make a connection with you and with me. That's why Jesus came. So today, we're going to hear him seemingly take a crooked manager and elevate him to superhero status. What does that mean for you and me? It means everything, if you'll just hang with me. So let's read the passage first. Um, And by the way, by the way, uh, if you're not reading the Bible right now, we have a brand new reading program for August. You know, we did that all summer. We've been actually doing it for a year almost now. Uh, And 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 on this reading plan, you have some readings you can do at home and they go along with what we're doing on Sunday in here and in the the sanctuary and other small group classes. And it's a way that we can all kind of be on the same page studying the same thing. You can get a hard copy of it over here at the Information Center when you leave or you can just go to concordunited.org slash Bible and you can uh, can download it yourself. The uh, August reading plan. I hope you'll do that. Okay, now, this is called the parable of the shrewd manager. I'm going to read starting in chapter uh, 16 with verse 1. This is Jesus. And remember, this is Jesus telling a story. This is Jesus, I believe, making up a story on the spot to make a particular point to a particular group of people. He was so good at that, master storyteller. So here goes. Jesus told his disciples, and now the rest of it's in red, so it has to be Jesus' word, right? Because it's in red right there. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of the master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 400. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill, make it 800. Shrewd, huh? The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world, remember, this is still Jesus talking. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. That could be implying you and me. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. That's what he said. Now, now, let's see if we can figure out what in the world that means for us. But first, 
Let's ask for help. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your written word. It always reveals to us your living word, who is Jesus the Christ. And so, Lord, as we sit here scratching our heads this morning, we pray that the same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus to tell the story and for Luke to record it would inspire us to hear it and find truth for this very day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I mean, Ryan's World, Dude Perfect, Dr. Squish, all those people trying to make a connection. And there are lots of social media influencers, and you've seen them all, especially on Instagram. They're selling everything from, from makeup to sporting goods. Speaking of Dude Perfect, sporting goods, um, clothing, cars, you name it. It's for sale, and people are trying to influence you. Um, and they're all ultimately trying to make a connection. And so they're being creative, and they're talking about things that they know will connect with certain people. And so that's their job, to make a connection. And I would submit to you that the reason Jesus came to this earth 2,000 years ago was to make a connection because people were disconnected from God for multiple reasons. So Jesus came to reestablish, to make that connection so that everyone could hear and know the good news and find themselves in the very heart of God living uh, with joy and purpose on both sides of the Jordan River, if you will, in this life and in the life to come. That's why he came. So what on earth is he trying to tell us in this story? I mean, you can read the story and you could say, okay, okay, wait a minute. Is Jesus saying that I can cheat people? Is he condoning cheating people, you know, so that I can do better in the world? Maybe he thinks I'll give a little more to the synagogue in those days or the house church or whatever it was. Uh, is, that, is that what this is about? You know, because, because it's pretty, it, the guy is shrewd, you know. He's thinking, okay, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to curry favor with these people. And, and he probably thought he was helping the manager too, the, uh, the, the landowner too, because these people, are, because I'm cutting their bill, they're going to probably feel good about the landowner, and they're going to feel good about me. And when I want to have a job, they're going to invite me for dinner and let me crash on their couch. I mean, that's the line of thinking here within the context of this story. So yeah, cheat a little bit. It's good for everybody. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying, and, and here's why. Let me give you an example. There's a story where Jesus had a conversation with a rich man, uh, and the man came up to Jesus and he said, good teacher, what must I do? We talked about this one just a few weeks ago. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus' answer is very telling about what he thinks about cheating. He said, you know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. Okay, okay, I'm not doing any of that stuff. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. And you shall not defraud. Now, right there, just in the context of those two sentences, it kind of blows this whole idea about Jesus promoting being dishonest out of the water. Don't steal. Don't lie, don't defraud, don't, don't cheat people. It's, it seems pretty clear. So what is clear? What are we supposed to take from this? Let me point to another thing that Jesus said. This goes back to when Jesus was sending his disciples out on their very first missionary trip. You know, and he was sending them out to make 
connections. He wanted to make connections with people in the countryside. He was, he was coming to announce the coming kingdom. That's why he came. And he wanted them to go out and make connections and to share the good news about this coming kingdom where everyone is loved and there's going to be, and there's going to be justice and mercy in the world and God's big open arms for everybody. Go make that connection. But it's interesting what he told them. See, the, the religious elite, Pharisees, you hear us talk about that, the Sadducees. And I've told you before who the Sadducees are, right? The Sadducees are the ones, see, the, fa- the Pharisees believed in eternal life. The Sadducees didn't. And that's why they were sad, you see. <laughs> Sorry. I tell that a couple of times a year just because I can. But at any rate, at any rate, these people are going to be after you because they're after me. And he said to them, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Then he says this, words of Jesus, Matthew 10, therefore be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Now, does he want to go bite people and scare people? No, no, no. Don't think about the serpent in the garden that tried to, well, actually you can in one way. The serpent in the garden, Adam and Eve were there and everything was good till the snake said, psst, look at that apple. Isn't that a beauty? You should eat it. Never mind about God. He he, he knows you'll be God too if you eat it. And so they ate it and the rest is history. But that snake was crafty. He was shrewd. So be shrewd as snakes, not in an evil way. A shrewd doesn't necessarily mean dishonest or bad. It just means crafty. It means clever, probably. Be, be, be clever and then innocent as doves, though. So what he's saying is be clever the way you go out and talk to people about the kingdom, but don't hurt anybody. Be gentle as doves. Remember, we come in peace, so don't hurt him. You put those two together, and I think we're finding exactly what Jesus is trying to tell us in this passage. We are not called to cheat, but we are called to create. Now, I know there are people in here right now going, well, see, but, but preacher, I'm, I'm just not very creative. And people say stuff like that all the time. They downplay that I'm, because maybe they're, maybe they're not confident in their ability to create. Well, preacher, I'm just, I'm just not very creative. Remember this, you are made in the image of God and God... I don't know, you could probably say God's fairly creative. I don't know, Grand Canyon, oceans, moon and stars, you know, take your pick. Uh, He's a pretty creative God. And you have his creative DNA in your spirit. So to say I'm not creative is to say, well, God made a mistake and left that out of me. No, it just means you don't have the confidence in your creativity. And that's what Jesus wants us to have. Jesus is saying, I want you to be creative, clever, shrewd. He even used the word shrewd, be shrewd as snakes, the same word in both places. So if you don't like the word shrewd and you don't like, and, and you're thinking, I'm just not that creative. Let me, let me throw something else at you. I read a book once called A Whack on the Side of the Head. It was a little book about that big. And it, was, and it had in it a principle of green light thinking. And this book was all about being creative. And it talked about green light thinking. And the idea is that whenever an idea comes, you let it 
you let it flourish. You let it grow and bloom. I like to think of it this way. We, green light thinking is like, is like letting an idea just come and tear around your soul and your mind like an overexcited puppy does and just let it run all over the place. And then eventually, you can calm it down and train it but not at first. Just let the energy flow. Let ideas flow. That's what green light thinking is. I use it in meetings sometimes here at the church. You know, let's have some green light thinking. That means nobody can fold their arms and roll their eyes or collect their tongue at somebody's idea like it's not good. You can't, you don't get to do that. We just want to hear the idea out before we start trying to figure out if it'll work or not. And why? Because green light thinking turns need into opportunity. This is what happened with the shrewd manager. He had a need. He was about to be out on the street. He didn't know how he was going to make it. But he had an opportunity. He did a little green light thinking. I know what I can do. And he found a way to seize that opportunity to take care of himself. Green light thinking turns need into opportunity. And this church, to give you a, a, an example on a, on a bigger scale, this church does that really well. Th that's what started this church. If you think about it, this church started, and if you didn't know this, you'll be maybe surprised. This church was founded over in Old Concord. That was before they made the lake. And there really was a river and a riverbank and farms and all that. This church was founded in 1865. And if you know your history, you know that was just as the Civil War was ending. The nation was in upheaval. The economy was, was a mess. Everything was a mess. Oh, perfect time to start a church. Hey, I know. Let's start a church because everybody's going to have a lot of disposable income for a church. That didn't make any sense at all. But there were six people. Three couples who gathered at John Stone's house over in Old Concord and said, you know what, we, we believe in the Methodist movement and there should be a Methodist church in this community because we believe it's going to grow and we can do it. We'll meet in this house and, we'll, and they wound up going around on a mule and asking everybody in the community to help them build a building, not just church members. That was in 1865 and here we are today. Green light thinking. Let's, we'll figure out how later. Let's just chase the idea. I mean, that's how some of the best stuff we do got started. Cades, you saw in our announcement reel, um, the whole Cades program, you know where that came from? It came from two or three people, and they weren't staff people. These were church members who thought, you know, there are so many people struggling with issues related to dementia, and their caregivers, their caregivers are just beaten down from taking care of them every minute. It's so hard to see someone you love begin to decline like that. Something ought to be done. I know, I know. Let's start a program at our church. You know, I mean, it was ready, fire, aim for sure. We had no idea how that was going to happen. But, but once the idea started to take form, then we started to fill in some details. And that was 12 years ago. And hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of families have been touched in such a positive way by that ministry that became uh, a reality because of green light thinking. Um, you could, you could uh, make the same case for our 
community care night that we're doing now on Wednesday nights. That came from some of the pastors. We were just together having a conversation on somebody's porch. I think it was on Pastor Glenna's porch when she was still here about, you know, COVID has just split everybody up. That was, I think, the very beginning of the green light thinking. COVID is just, people are so isolated. People need to be together. We need to get, how could we get people together? Well, I don't know, maybe we could, you know, people sometimes go to church on Wednesday nights. That's, they have a history of that. Maybe we could have a night where, you know, we just offer some food and have worship and maybe some small support groups, that kind of thing. And the green light thinking continued and boom, here we are having, I think we're averaging about 80 people in worship through the summer. And it's, I expect it's going to get much bigger this fall. It's been great. We're not in it for the numbers anyway, but, but they've been higher than we expected. Green light thinking. The, uh, the thrift store. We have our own. I don't know if you knew this or not. Some of you do. Some of you may not. We have a standalone thrift store. Why? Because we used to do rummage sales in the gym over here. And people would pack in and we would sell this stuff that people would donate and make ten dollars or $15,000 in a weekend and give the money to missions or maybe split it among a couple of different ministries of the church. It was like found money and people got bargains and we got more money for mission. And so this, so, so few people started thinking, what if, what if, I know this is crazy. It wasn't my idea. I'm just imagining the conversation. I know this is crazy. Could we like lease us, maybe lease a little space on Kingston Pike and have our own thrift store? So if somebody needs a shirt for 50 cents, they can get one or, you know, um, silverware and dishes for their house for two bucks or, or whatever. And it started an operation in May, I think. And it's almost already to the break-even point. The, the, they had this fabulous, now believe me, after the initial green light thinking, they, they went through a long process of, uh, of figuring out how to make it work. They had a fantastic business plan. And they're already ahead of the curve on uh, breaking even. And all we want to do is make a little bit of money to give back to missions. The main ministry is just allowing people to get stuff they need at a price they can pay. Green light thinking. It turns need into opportunity. Now let's bring it down on a smaller scale. What can you do? What can I do? I would submit this. Green light thinking turns every day, meaning just your normal everyday stuff, turns that into once in a lifetime. Give you an example from the Bible, then one from real life. Not the Bible wasn't real life. I said that wrong. One from life now. But, you know, there, when, when God called Moses to lead the people out of Egypt that were enslaved in Egypt, and God called Moses, and Moses is trying to talk God out of it. God, I'm not your man. I'm, I don't speak very well. And, you know, I am a murderer, and I'm, they, they know me over there, and they may try to kill me. And so he's standing there and leaning up against his shepherd's crook because he was a shepherd. And, uh, and God said, Moses, Moses, what's in your hand? Uh, got my stick, you know, my throw it on the ground, God says. So Moses throws it on the ground. It turned into a snake. It's pretty impressive. And so he picks it after he freaked out, he picked it back up and it turned back into a stick. And, and yeah, that was God and Moses. But let me tell you, he still takes ordinary stuff and turns it into something amazing. And it happens to everybody. 
You know who Sarah Blakely is? Any of you know who Sarah Blakely is? She was, she was going to be a lawyer. And she didn't do very well in the entrance exam. So she decided not to be a lawyer. And so she went to work in Orlando, I think. She was selling fax machines door to door. And she wanted to always dress really nicely. And she would wear these really nice, uh, you know, I guess pantsuits or, you know, slacks and nice tops. But, and she always wanted to wear pantyhose under them just so everything would look nice and smooth in the way she wanted it. And, but it was like, it's so hot. It's so hot. So she tried cutting the feet off of her pantyhose, but then the hose would just kind of curl up on her shins, and it was very uncomfortable. And so she started thinking, wouldn't it be nice if you had something to wear that made you feel, you know, good about how you looked and clingy stuff, but didn't burn you up? And so she had this idea. And so she developed this idea, and she took it to some knitting mills in North Carolina, and all of them were run by men. And all the men were going, this on that, this will never work. She was looking for somebody to partner with. And so she goes to this one mill, and the guy who owned the mill had three daughters. And they heard the idea and said, yes, oh, yes. If we, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. So they went into business together. She took her credit card and paid for a trademark. And some of you can can tell me right now before I do what the name of her business is. Spanx. That's how it started. She's a multi, 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 multi millionaire who joined that pledge that um, Gates and Warren Buffett did to give away half their wealth. She gives away millions of dollars. What'd she have? She had some pantyhose she cut the feet off of, and that's how she chased the idea. But it was green light thinking. Just took something every day and turned it into once in a lifetime. And you can do that, and I can do that for the kingdom. And I'll give you one last example. And I'm just going to read this, so pardon me. I follow, I, I, there's an account on Instagram that I, go, that I follow. It's called Good News Dog. It's not necessarily about animals. It's just things that happen to people, good news items, and which I like to read after reading the other news. It's good to hear some of that. It's called Good News Dog, and, and I found this letter. This was from 2020. This is a letter that someone sent to a hairdresser, and somehow it got in the hands of this person who operates this uh, Instagram account. Let me just read it word for word. June 27th, 2020. Dear Sarah, this is a little bit awkward, but I've waited a really long time to pass this on to you. My wife and I came in for haircuts shortly before Christmas of last year. My wife was suffering from dementia, and you treated her as if you'd been working with dementia patients all your life. You let us sit next to each other, and when it came time for her cut, you turned her chair toward me so I could watch her expression as you cut her hair. It turned out even better than I thought it would. Sadly, she died in March, and that haircut was one of the last best moments of her life. She felt so pretty. She visited the mirror in the bathroom several times during the day and would come out beaming. To see her so happy was priceless. Looking back, it was likely one of dozens of haircuts you gave that day, but one which revitalized a woman's sense of self and her singular beauty. I hope you always realize the power of your profession. It's so easy to take things like that for granted. Sincerely, 
a grateful customer. What was in her hand? Scissors. What's in your hand? How could you be as shrewd as a snake, as Jesus would say, and yet gentle as a dove today? To be creative, a little green light thinking, how could you impact somebody's life with what you have in your hand or in your pocket or in your purse or in the glove box or in your backpack or whatever, at school, at Walmart, at work, wherever you are. Jesus wants us to make a connection. That hairdresser made an eternal connection with that man and his wife. You can make an eternal connection with somebody. And that's what Jesus wants us to do, to make connections. Just like he sent those disciples out on their first mission trip. He sends us out every day. He's sending us out. Be creative. You never know what opportunity there may be for you to change someone's reality with a word or an action. I'm just submitting that if we lived every day like that, life would be a lot more of an adventure and not a drudgery. And the adventure is what Jesus wants for you and me. Let's pray. Almighty God, how we thank you for loving us enough to entrust your gospel. And we understand that the gospel sometimes is passed along much more effectively with actions and maybe only a few words. So we ask, oh God, that you would Open our eyes by the power of your Holy Spirit to the opportunities around us where we can turn a need into opportunity simply with a little green light thinking. God, help us to learn that we can take our everyday stuff and turn it into a once-in-a-lifetime moment with you in control. God, we give ourselves to you. Use us. We'll be there for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.